the other awareness that I had, which really motivated me to write the book, is how much fear there is in the workplace, Linda. The staff, no matter where they were, were reporting back to me and saying, you know, Bonnie, I see and hear everything, but I am afraid to say anything. I'm afraid I'm going to get fired. So, so much fear, Linda. And I decided I could not be afraid to say what was really going on in the workplace. I just see that the status quo is not working and we had better do better. Hello, welcome to Monetizing Mompreneurs podcast, where I take you behind the scenes with industry leaders, entrepreneurs, moms, working professionals, and amazing people pursuing their passions and going for their dreams. And I'm your host, Linda Mendable. For 25 years, Bonnie worked as the personal assistant to Oscar winner Olympia Dukakis. I hope I am not butchering that. And is the best-selling author of Be the Ultimate Assistant, an expert in workplace issues. Bonnie is a TEDx speaker. She has been published in Harvard Business Review, and her work was profiled in a Forbes online cover story in May 2019. Her workshop by the same name is one of the top conferences to attend since 2018. She's a consultant on workplace bullying to the World Administrators Alliance and is on the editorial board and is a contributor writer for Executive Support Magazine. Traveling to 13 countries and 38 states, Bonnie's clients include the Wharton School of Business, British Parliament, Four Seasons Hotel, Starbucks, and Amazon. In 2018, Bonnie received the Impact Award from the Boston Executive Assistance Organization. Bonnie is also known for her passion, commitment to transform the workplace for the humans of all colors and genders who populate it, especially women. She is working to end discrimination, close the wage gap, and to break the cycle of workplace bullying. A native to New Jersey and a Rut, Ruggers, um, and I hope I'm not butchering that as well, university grad. Bonnie knows that the secret sauce for an ultimate workplace for cultures of respect and, and, and basically to embrace that diversity. These themes are the basis for her new book called Staff Matters. Bonnie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Linda. It's great to be here. Oh, I am so excited for this interview, and I've been waiting for this interview because one of my difficulties has been, like, hiring a team. Like, I've struggled with that. So what made you write the book, Staff Matters? Well, the work I do has taken me all over the world, as you said in the intro, and it was the work, the book has been in the works for over seven years, and it finally published in February. Um, over these years, I have been speaking with executive assistants and leaders and recruiters and HR professionals. And what was so interesting, Linda, it didn't matter whether I was in the United States or in England or in uh, Dubai or, you know, it 
the stories were the same. The, the commonality among the stories of the staff were really striking to me. And I was taking notes. And, and in the end, I ended up interviewing over 1,500 people for this book. And one of the premises for the book is that I am very aware that there are most people who I speak with in the workplace believe that aspects of the workplace are broken, especially in the post-pandemic world. And you named a few of the places that it's broken, you know, these toxic work environments and the wage gap is very present and, you know, lots and lots of issues. Um, and what is absolutely true is that no one of those constituencies or those groups who I named can fix what's broken alone. The leaders can't do it alone. The assistants can't do it alone. HR can't do it alone, nor can the recruiters. So in this workplace of 2023, it seems pretty clear that we have to play nicer together, that we really have to move towards a time of cooperation and collaboration and that's why In Staff Matters, which is about a 400-page book, has brought all of those people under within those covers of the book. Um, so I've those their stories, in their words, are in Staff Matters, uh, in order for the reader to get a, a real big dose of empathy um, about what the other staffers are going through. Um, and and the other awareness that I had, which really motivated me to write the book, is how much fear there is in the workplace, Linda. I, I don't know if in your work you see it and hear it. The staff, no matter where they were, were reporting back to me and saying, you know, Bonnie, I see and hear everything. I have a front row seat as a staffer. I get to see everything that's going on. But I am afraid to say anything. I'm afraid to speak up about those issues because if I do, I'm afraid I'm going to get fired or I'm afraid I'm going to be labeled a troublemaker or I'm afraid I'm not going to be liked. Um, I'm afraid I won't be looked at as a, as a person who could be eligible for a promotion. So, so much fear, Linda, and I decided... I could not be afraid to say what was really going on in the workplace. Um, there's too much at stake not to. And our, I know you've got three kids. I've got kids and grandkids. And um, I just see that the status quo is not working and we had better do better. I love this conversation. And before we get deeper into the conversation, because I feel like there's a lot of good points and a lot of good things that you've, you've spoken about. And, and we can go, it could take any direction. And so <laughs> yeah. I want to, I want to talk about like, how did you get into writing this book? Oh, well, I, I identify as a writer. I began this whole thing as a, as a writer. Um, you know, my degree is in theater and English from Rutgers University in New Jersey, where I'm from. And from very early on, the thing that comes very naturally to me is writing. And so I, you know, LinkedIn was, you know, a, a marvel for me. And I began receiving invitations to write articles, to do some speaking, to do some teaching. And 
you know, Linda, nothing about my career has been planned. And when I stumbled into working with a movie star, you know, I, I had been working at a theater in Northern New Jersey doing publicity. I was writing press releases and my executive comes to me one day, the woman who was running the theater, and she says, so Bonnie, I've been cast in a movie called Moonstruck and I'm co-starring with Cher and Nicolas Cage and Vincent Gardenia. And I'm going away for a month to Canada to shoot that movie. And you and I have a lot of work to do before I go to Canada. And that woman was Olympia Dukakis. And in a million years, I never thought that we would have an Oscar win in our in our lives. Um, I never imagined that we would be working together for 25 years in nothing. So nothing about that was planned, but that is exactly what happened. And over those years, Linda, it, what I found was what I was writing, people wanted to read. And that I that I did have a skill, a marketable skill that I could use. And my first book is Be the Ultimate Assistant. And I, the first edition was in 2004. And now it's in the fifth edition and still selling well on Amazon. I'm great, grateful to say. And, um, and the second book felt very important to write uh, because frankly, I have a lot of books in my collection, leadership and management books. Most of them are written by men and I'm not one of them. And I didn't see the book that I wanted to write, which was the one to bring the entire staff inside the, the pages of one book. And the marketing people said to me, well, Bonnie, you know, that's a pretty big lift that you're trying to do here. You know, you're trying to serve all these people. And my answer back to them was, yes, I am. And it's about time too. Wow. Wow. Okay. So <laughs> yeah. Cause like, I kind of want to like, what, it, like I, one of the questions I want to, want to, want to really yeah. dig in and, and hash out because you know, as an entrepreneur, right, we're always looking for someone to help us out, right? We're looking for maybe a contractor or we're looking to hire our first employee. And so I've, I've honestly, and I, and I feel a bit embarrassed to say, I've had a difficult time hiring like the right person. Yeah. And yeah, you said, so what do you think is my problem on, on hiring? Like, what is it that I need to look at? Like, what is it that I need to make clear? Because I obviously, like one of the things I try to do is do a, a detailed list of what it is that I, I need, yeah. you know, the personality that I'm looking for, you know, as far as like what motivates them, right? They love this. They love checklists. They love certain things because we work on the checklist, right? So what am I doing wrong, Bonnie? So, it, well, first of all, you need to cut yourself a break. You know, you never probably took a class about how to manage people or how to hire a staffer. So you've been winging it. And that is partly why I wrote both books. And I believe the book Staff Matters would actually help you. But in order to cut you and your listeners to the chase, let me just start by saying that many leaders believe that hiring an assistant is one of the most difficult hires to do. 
And, and that is in part because the it is the only role that is defined by the fact that the person is in support of you. Um, let me just also say that I've employed an assistant myself, a part-time assistant for 12 years, the same person, Jen Wilner. And so we have had the chance to kind of practice what I preach together, you know, a woman working with another woman and and the ways in which that works. But but it begins, Linda, with taking, giving yourself some air. And I know you've got a really busy life, so that's hard for entrepreneurs. But if the role, if the assistant is an important role to fill, because there's a saying, if you don't have an assistant, you are one, right? So if in fact you want things, you want more time in your day, you want to free yourself of some things, it is vital to carve out some time in order to focus on the things you don't like to do, you're not good at, and that you just don't want to do. There are things that Linda is uniquely qualified to do, and that means it's important to delegate everything else and and spend some money on it. There, you don't have to spend a ton of money um, right away anyway. A, a colleague of mine is employing two college interns this summer for $20 an hour who are motivated college students who want to learn more about her business. But, you know, I assure you, my assistant is, is not a college intern. And after 12 years, you know, she has taken on more and more responsibility. But when you identify those tasks that you need, you know, you, you get to have what you want because you're the one doing the hiring. And then it is about crafting a job description where you're probably going to have to compromise on some of the things. So it's very important to zero in on the tasks and the responsibilities that you that are deal breakers, that you absolutely need and that you're willing to pay money for. And then it's about getting the word out to get resumes from people who are interested and available. I can also tell you that to manage an assistant executive relationship over Zoom, you know, virtually, remotely is challenging. You know, humans are meant to be in a room with other humans. When Jen and I first started, we worked together at my dining room table one day a week. And then I moved away to Florida. And so now we work remotely on Zoom. But, you know, we it's important that you see each other and hear each other. The, the, the partnership is about setting very, you know, having a, as clear a job description as you can craft. And then it is about interviewing people with an eye towards exactly that. And in 2023, I highly recommend with people who you are very interested in to do a trial period, to do two days, to do a week's trial with someone. You know, if you really need a strong writer for social media, for example, you definitely want to give that person a tryout. You don't, we can't just trust a resume. We need to actually see work product. We need to understand full scope of talents and skills, especially in the land of entrepreneurs. You know, there's not a lot of wiggle room for mistakes. So a trial period, I believe, is a real setup for success. Um, 
And then say you hire this person, it's an agreed upon salary with as much transparency as you can give. You know, they might want, you know, $40 an hour, but at this moment in time, you can only afford $25 an hour or $30 an hour. It's important to say what the situation truly is and what the foreseeable future is. Essentially, what I say to Jen is, you're going to make money if I make money. And I mean that, you know, so I think those are the kinds of things that have contributed to us being together for 12 years. And then plus there's regular feedback. And the, I, uh, in lieu of money, sometimes I offer Jen opportunities to keep growing and learning. So the opportunity to take a class, the opportunity to teach a class, the opportunity to um, make more money by doing some ancillary activities that feed her. And it's not one size fits all. So it's about, you know, a, a real partnership where you talk with each other, where you as the executive get to tell your assistant, what is it that you need in a regular way, daily, daily meetings. And then your assistant has permission to tell, to give you feedback about well, we could do it that way, Linda, but how about we book you on this flight because of X, Y, Z, you know, that you're hiring people for a reason and we want to fully leverage and tap what they know and who they know. Is that helpful at all? I hope. Amen. I mean, one of the things that I see um, that I'm hearing as well is like setting up expectations. That's one of the number one things that I've heard is like you have to set expectations you have to set expectations I'm like but what does setting expectations look like because mm -hmm. the job description is pretty clear yeah but I don't okay understand. I'll give you a solid example really solid example and I made this mistake with an intern prior to Jen so with women working with other women because most assistants are women so the to set an expectation is to say so Jen I I'm going to one week want a social media graphic to look this way. And the next week I might change my mind totally. And this is not personal. This is, it is, and this was during the interview. I said this, I said, so I change my mind and it's, you know, with my name on the product. So if it's, you know, if I fail, if, if I'm a miserable failure, then I'll just have to take the heat for that. But when I ask you to change things up, my, my expectation is that you're not going to take it personally, that it's not about you. Your job's not on the line. This is about the work. This is about me thinking that if I make changes, it's going to make it better. And, and so my expectation is, A, that you, you won't take those kinds of things personally, and B, if you have something on your mind that you think I could be doing better, different, I want you to say it. I really, really, really need you to say it. That the only thing that's going to make me mad or upset is if you withhold information from me that you think that you know I need to know, but you think it's going to make me unhappy or something. I'm, I'm an adult. I can take it. So I really need you 
to watch my back and to tell me the things that I need to know, even if you think I'm not going to like them. That's setting an expectation. Okay. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. (laughs) That makes a lot of sense on why I failed a couple of times. Does that help? Here's another one. Here's another one. I am an early morning person. I get up sometimes 4.30 in the morning and I would like to be able to send you emails at 4.30 in the morning but I do not expect an answer at 4.30 in the morning. But whenever you start work is when I would love for you to respond. And Monday through Friday, I'll let you know that if there's something urgent and time sensitive, you know, we've had things happen on a weekend. I would like the ability to call you or let you know that. But I, but so I want to know, is that okay with you if you receive emails from me at five in the morning? But know that I don't expect you to answer them. That's an that's another example, Linda. Okay, I I think that people got confused with who I with, with my work style, you know. And now that I'm now that you're showing me what what setting up expectation, I thought setting expectation was like this is the task, this is the due date. No, 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 no. <laughs> this is about you know maybe you're a night person, you know. It's about how do you, how do you communicate? You know, you really love texting or everyone has their different preferences. And so to work for you, to support you is different than supporting your husband or another executive. And you may have, you know, I'm a morning person. You might be a total night person and, you know, your way of communicating and your favorite ways of working may be very different than mine, but so then you, it's up to you, though, as the manager, as the executive, to communicate to your assistant, how is it that you work best? And it, how does that fit with her? You know, how does, how is, would that work in this situation? And then you, then you listen and see if it is a fit or not. And all of this is in the, is in Staff Matters, these kinds of ideas, uh, because you can't, I mean, as hard as assistants try to be mind readers, they're not. And so, especially with women working with other women, we are very intuitive people in general, that we women have higher EQ than men do in general. That's just chemistry we're talking about here. But still, we need you, Linda. If we were working together, there would be a number of questions that I would be asking immediately. and you know, including, are you a person who enjoys your birthday being acknowledged or not? Uh, yeah, stuff like that. It's, it's very, it's a very intimate, it can be a very intimate partnership if you want that. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Because for me, I mean, yeah, I would say like, I'm a very sentimental person, but I am a sensitive person. If someone forgets my birthday, that wouldn't bother me. Yeah, that would not bother me. Someone forgets my birthday, that would not bother me. You know, I don't keep like, oh, this is the day, you know, the only dates I know is like birthdays and an anniversary and that's it. Like other special dates, it's going to be very hard for me to remember. The questions work both ways though with an assistant. So your birthday may not be important to you, but when her birthday rolls around, is it important to you, assistant, to have your birthday acknowledged? And 
isn't it better that we ask those kinds of questions ahead of time? Um, and assist, a good assistant would ask you, Linda, so Linda, I am excited about this job. Will I, will I also be doing personal tasks for you and your husband and the kids? You know, will I be involved in, you know, party planning, gift buying, um, doctor appointment scheduling, that kind of thing. And really the, it's it's different with every pair of assistant and executive. It really is about what your needs are. Would that act would those tasks actually help you with your life? And asking the assistant, the assistant will tell you, yeah, I love party planning. Yes, I love gift buying. Let me lose. I'm, you know, you tell me what you need, and I'm I'm just awesome on Amazon. But you know, it's just a matter of asking and understanding your need. And then asking the person, how do you feel about doing that? One of the things that I've always wanted was an assistant um, that can help me grow kind of like not only on the task, like the overall task that we needed, but if there was something that she or he, you know, that they were not able to do, um, that they would be saying, hey, we need to hire on someone for this particular, you know, subtask, you know, I kind of always wanted someone like that. But I ended up bumping heads with every assistant that I kind of tried to bring on, you know, into, into helping me. So I decided one of the things I has been working on is basically hiring for specific tasks. Instead of mm. having an overall assistant, I started doing, okay, I have an assistant for the podcast. Like, you know, she's not an assistant, really. She's a specialist for the podcast. She's, a, she's the producer yeah. for the podcast. Then I have another person who is helping me um, with all of the emails and keeping everyone in chat, you know, like updated on our summit, you know, for our summit speakers that is coming right. out, you know, this June 7th through the 9th, 2023. So if you're listening, you better get your ticket. Get <laughs> access. It's going to be the best. <laughs> but, you know, um, and I understand like the the importance of having a conversation like this because you hear many, many episodes and hardly any touch on who and when to hire. Okay, I can answer that. Who and when, the when is, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. All we get are 24 hours every single day. And if you are anybody who you get to the end of your day and you are bone tired and you have been running as fast as you can all day long, barely having time to eat or go to the bathroom, and you still have th important things on your to-do list that you didn't get to, that's a really good indication that you need support, that you need help. You know, like there's no quality of life then if all you're doing is working. And honestly, Jen enables me to have a life. I, I mean, if I had to do all the things that she does and all the things I do, there would be no sense. It, the, you know, there's no time to spend any of the money you're making. It's, it just isn't smart. So when you're running out of time and, you're, and you know you're going as fast as you can and there's still not enough time, then you, and if your relationship starts suffering, either with your spouse, your kids, all of that's happened to me. And uh, it doesn't, it feels terrible. Yeah. I mean, time is our, our greatest commodity, right? And 
you know, yeah. it's precious. We, we, like you said, we all have 24 hours in a day. And I think like, you know, once I get into like this certain feeling of like, I cannot handle this, I, you know, I start like delegating and I start trying to look for someone to handle a piece yeah. of it. You know, well, let me, of- let me say this to you. You have, <laughs> a, it's a lot of it leaders hire on a project basis. That's what you're, that's what you're painting. It's a, it's a project that you hire on someone for the summit, et cetera. But then as other needs arise, I mean, there's no stopping you from asking either of those people on those projects, hey, do you, how would you feel about doing a few other things for me that are not summit related, that are, you know what I mean, or not podcast related, and they are these things that I have a need for. And then if they say, no, actually, I'm not interested in that, you know, some, they might say, yeah, I'd love to do that. Or if they say no, then, then your move could be, well, might you know anybody who would be good for these tasks? What I can tell you, Linda, is great assistants often know other great assistants. Oh, birds of a feather flock together. There you go. (laughs) Kind of like that. Yes. Yes. Awesome. I think, um, I think that's great because I do have like someone in particular like for, for the project, I guess, you know, for our summits, like she's amazing. She's incredible. But I also know that she has other dreams and ambitions. And sometimes I feel like, okay, if I was to ask this person to do more, am I taking away from them? Sometimes I feel like, like that, like if I ask them to do more for me, am I taking away from them and their dreams and aspirations? Why don't you, (laughs) The key is ask them. Chapter four of SAF Matters is called ask first. There's There are too many of us out there who skip over the step to just ask. I remember saying to a CEO recently that he had a need for someone to fill in a gap at the company. And I said, you have these amazing staffers who were assistants why don't you ask them? And he said, oh no, none of them will ever want to do this. And I said, you have nothing to lose by trying. And don't you know, there were four people, not one, four people who raised their hand and said, I'd love to do that. I'd I'd be super interested in that. You don't, Linda, as much as we know about what's going on with people, there's a whole lot we don't know. Isn't that true about you? Yes, there's a whole lot we don't know, yes. Absolutely. So, I love that and the because, only way we're going to know is if we ask. No, I love that because that's my same approach when it comes to a lead or a client or a potential client. I don't ever shrink back on my prices. And I have found that, you know, when, you know, you never know who that yes may be. So stick to your prices and your price points, because if they can't, if they're not willing to, you know, invest in what it is that you're offering, then they're not the right person to work with. But if they see the value in what you're offering, you know, those first, you, you'll have enough room to accommodate them instead of lowering your prices just to get the work, right? And that's one right. of the things well, that I've learned. And it's almost like yeah. a same approach. Mm-hmm. And with an assistant, it's very know- important. You get what you pay for. So I urge you to use that same principle with the people you employ that, Air, you know, obviously you have you have to be able to afford an assistant, but pay as much as you are able in in a fair realm 
because, you know, if people do not, if people are not resentful and they're, you know, they're coming at their work in, with full gusto rather than any resentment at all and feeling like they're underpaid, your, your move as a leader is to pay as fairly to generously as you possibly can. I do try. I do try to, you know, respect everyone's time, you know, but where I've noticed that I've bumped heads have been tasks more than, you know, when it comes to, you know, payments or anything like that, like tasks getting done, but tasks began getting done a lot quicker and faster when I hired experts, like, oh, they only do this, this, you know, Mm -hmm. this type of work, you know, or they only do that type of work. And that's when kind of like I was able to get more work done when I, when I did that instead of having, and that's why I'm afraid if I do ask, oh, you know, you want to go in a, in a higher capacity just because I'm afraid that it might be too much, you know? Well, it, it could be that you try to enlist the people who are, have already proven to you that they are capable. And then it's about asking them if they have these other skills as well. And so you don't have to, it's, it's, um, it's difficult to manage others. And so it sounds like you have at least two people on your payroll and that's, you know, that's two personalities to manage. And I, I would just say, begin there, but you know, you told me you're, you've, and you've shared on the podcast that you're doing a move and you have a husband and three kids and it's a, and a podcast there's, and a summit you're planning. There's a lot of balls up in the air that need managing. So it just doesn't matter who. Yes. How do I figure out like, okay, I do. I have a very busy schedule. I have a very busy life. I have the capacity to bring on someone. But even if I have that capacity, I don't know who to bring on. I don't know right. what well, direction. Is it reasonable to on. think you can ask the two people who are already with you? Yes. There are you know, do they have I the can. skills and do they have the time and do they have the inclination? Okay. And is it worth a conversation? It's certainly, I believe it's worth a conversation. You're not, you know, I call it dating before you get married. Right. You know, we have to have a conversation. And then, I mean, it's a whole other thing to then craft if you decide still you want a third person to help you, you know, at home and manage the move. Like there there are great people out there who love managing moves and, you know, the move from one place. I've done seven of them myself um, from one place to another. And making sure everything is where it needs to be in the new location. There are people who just love doing that stuff. And wouldn't that be nice to just delegate that? You know, this is child number one's room, child number two. Absolutely. Room. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But it's almost like, because, you know, when you move, there's a whole lot of stuff you didn't know you had. That, you know, a whole lot of mess you didn't know you had that you had. <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's a whole other podcast. But yeah, that is a whole other podcast. I urge you and every leader to to not discount the people who are already on your payroll. You painstakingly hired them in the first place. So look to them first. Your your staff, your current staff, might they possess some or all of the new talents and skills that you need in your new task? You, one of the people in your employee right now 
might love doing moves. Don't know until you ask. Amen. I do have another question. What would you, what would, what makes a successful leader? What, in your opinion and, and from mm. what you've experienced? You know, I just wrote an article uh, that CNBC published and I call it, and so it's very fresh, Linda, the three V's of leadership. And in 2023, the successful leaders are staying visible, you know, be visible, show up essentially. Um, make the effort to be there in person, not only on Zoom, whatever that means. It's be visible. The second V is be verbal. Talk. Let, you know, in essence, be transparent and accountable. And even if you don't have all the answers as a leader, say what you do know. Say what you're what you're allowed to do. Because I don't know if you remember when you were ever a staffer, but the, it's the silence, it's the lack of information, it's the withholding of information, it's it's what your imagination can do with the silence that makes people worried, you know, like what's going on? We haven't heard from, you know, our leader in a while. And then the third V is vulnerability, is be vulnerable. Let us in on the fact, Linda, that you've got the kids and the move and what what's the context to be vulnerable as a leader means giving your staff context for not only your own personal life, but for the context of the business that, you know, we're on, we're, you know, climbing the mountain right now, people, and we're heading towards June 7th, 8th, and 9th to this summit. And then after that, it's, you know, this is what we're hoping for. To, and that's vulnerability because you don't know what that summit's going to be. You know, leaders, don't have all the answers and you don't have to. That's why you hired people. So I believe those are three really important qualities of strong leaders is showing up, talking, and showing some vulnerability. What do you think? I was on it in all of those points. And I was like looking through my own life and, and thinking about the person on the other side of this podcast and what them listening and them trying to figure out, you know, is it me? What's wrong with me? Or, you know, because I've, I've gone through that, you know, is it me that, you know, that I'm not hiring the right people that I'm not, you know, is it some type of, you know, is it my personality? Is it the way that I'm communicating? Am I, am I too straightforward instead of being a bit more, you know, like, you know, kinder, do I need to be kinder instead of like, these are the tasks. They need to get done on this deadline. <laughs> well, that's the reason for those daily meetings is that if you're meeting, say on Monday, no, Friday, about the week ahead with an assistant, and then you get together to say, okay, so these are the top priorities for next week. These are the, I call them A, B, and C priorities. The, you know, the A's are the ones that are going to, you know, really important. They're happening no matter what the B less important and C's can, you know, if they don't happen next week, they can happen the week after. And that way, when you, you know, the, most great assistants believe that the relationship, the partnership is ruled by the calendar. And that means tasks that need to get done. So say you create an A 
category priority and it doesn't get done, then you as the leader get to say, help me understand. I love, happen to love that phrase. Help me understand why this didn't happen at the time we said it was going to. Help me understand, you know, we had these, we had the meeting on month, on Friday that said we were going to have this done on Wednesday. Just help me understand what happened this time so that we don't repeat it the next time. The only reason- That's actually look, wonderful. Wow. That's The wild. only reason That's to look back at mistakes or the ways, you know, what happened at the meeting yesterday? What happened- is so that the future is better. Because Linda, it's not if, it's when there are going to be miscommunications and things that fall through the cracks. But that's why these daily meetings are so important and putting these tasks in writing so that everybody understands what is expected and when. And it's not to say that that schedule can't get you know, adjusted and revised as you go because life happens, right? But it, then it's important that, you know, so then Tuesday comes and assistant gets to say to you, you know what, Linda, we said that this was going to happen on Wednesday, but actually because of X, Y, Z, I think we can make it happen on Thursday. What do you think about that, Linda? Will that, can that work or do we have to do it another way? So it the best assistants are looking ahead and getting ahead of the deadlines and just to see the red flags. Amen. So so you recommend meeting once a day. I usually meet just once a week. And I don't think that's enough, especially in a wow. remote, in a remote virtual world. And some leader assistant, really it's very subjective. It's about what works for you. There's one CEO, very famous CEO. His way was to meet with his assistant every day for 10 minutes at 9 a.m. in whatever time zone he was in. And that 10 minutes did it for them. But then they had been working with each other for many years. I think initially in a new partnership, it's got to be at least 30 minutes. And at the very beginning, probably an hour. But frankly, that meeting with your, I would say things to Olympia like, Olympia, I need 20 minutes from you either by the end of today. And if you give me that 20 minutes, I'm going to leave you alone for the rest of the week. And she knew that I was serious. And it was because I needed answers. And then she could go off and memorize her lines and go do her doctor's appointments or whatever, whatever. The assistant needs that one-on-one -on -one time to make sure she's booking you on the right flight, to make sure that that meeting is still a hot priority, to ask you like, hey, you're going to New York next week. You mentioned you wanted to meet with this guy and this woman. Do you still want to? Those kind of things. I guess, I guess that I, I can, I like this because, you know, there are like missing holes on certain, you know, areas in you know, in my, in my business that I do want to fill. And, you know, because it's not all the same every single day, you know, people think like, oh, you're just doing the same task every single day. And that's absolutely not true. You're doing so many tasks. It's like, you know, people only see the tip of the iceberg, right? That's <laughs> right. So much, uh, yes. They don't know. They so don't no. know. No, they so don't know. 
especially when you're leading the you know leading the ship right and doing you know you're you're changing the rudders you're you're turning the wheel and they don't understand yeah. that you know all the parts that are happening in the engine that needs for all that stuff to happen um that you need them to kind of like to keep the ship going as well right because you need them to also you know be the engine of the ship right i guess for for lack there of a some better of <laughs> There are some entrepreneurs who say it in the book, I include this, that uh, one of them said that it's running a business that's successful, and sometimes when they're not successful, is like flying a plane as you're trying to build it. Yeah, I mean, you know, it depends on what, where are you, where you're at and how you're, are you bootstrapping it, you know, because it is, you're taking off and yeah, it's not but, put together <laughs> or you're going to crash and burn yeah. <laughs> reminds me of top gun it's a good movie yeah no but um bonnie i know we can talk about this continually but where can people okay before where people can find you what is one thing that you would like to leave us mompreneurs with you know i'm a mompreneur myself and i I overtly support women-owned businesses. I seek them out. I want to work with female doctors and female lawyers. And, and I want women to be better to each other, that when to elevate one another. Um, I love it when I'm on an airplane and when the pilot is waiting to say goodbye to all the passengers as we leave, and it's a female pilot. And I will stop and look her straight in the eyes and say, were you our pilot today? And she says, yes, I was. And I tell her, I think it's awesome that we had a female pilot today. Thank you so much for going through whatever you had to do to be here. Um, I think that women are the key to the future and women business owners have a, a very large part to play. Um, we need to support each other strongly um, as we go. That's what I'd like to leave you with, Linda. Bonnie, where can people find you? Oh, thank you, Linda. Please go to my website, which is my name, bonnielocraman.com. Um, certainly, if you're compelled by the issues in Staff Matters, go to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Staff Matters, People Focus Solutions for the Ultimate New Workplace. It's important that we have these conversations. So would love to speak with any of you who are listening, who are interested in training um, or any of the, the topics we talked about today. Amen. And I know people are going to enjoy this episode i know i for one learned so much especially about setting those expectations right yeah i think don't don't let some uh, previous mishaps deter you from from trying again linda just just you know you'll be smarter about it this time oh yeah i feel like it's time for me to expand and bring someone else on or ask the people that are already on with me yeah. hey are you willing to go into this capacity further. That's what I'm going to do today. And I, before you meet with them, I would put some ideas in writing about those top 10 things that if you could get them off your plate, wow, you, you would be a very happy lady if that happened. So, you know, I didn't spend a little time identifying what that, you know, you asked me, what do those expectations look like? 
Well, that's what they're going to be sitting there thinking, well, Linda, I want to help you out, but what is what are, what exactly do you need? And then that putting it in writing will help you get clearer on it yourself and then improve your ability to communicate it with others. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, Bonnie, you have to come back. I'm definitely okay. inviting you back. Fabulous. <laughs> I'm excited to learn more about your summit in June and uh, really thank you for all the great resources that you're putting out on this podcast. You're really helping so many women and by extension, men as well. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you have a chance, stop by the website at lindabendable.com. Sign up for the blog cure, which is an awesome, awesome course that I created that will help you set up your blog or take your blog to the next level and join us over at Monetizing Mompreneurs Facebook group. I just want to say again, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.